The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Hey everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I, we get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. Hey, it's going to be your church and your turn up. So listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's for bro on a bench in the biggest way possible. Hanging out the bench, eating a broken eight, a bad apple with a bad attitude. Hanging around a bunch of bad letters, bad taste, bad luck, bad dude, bad breath, bad attitude, bad vibes. So you know I like to binge watch TV, right? I've been reviewing a lot of shows and movies and such for you. I found another one. This one didn't make it off the scrap heap. It was canceled. After six episodes, they eradicated it. But I kind of liked it. It was on FX. It was called Thief. I don't know if you saw it or not, but I thought it was kind of badass. So it was basically this thriller crime drama, and it starred Andre Bronner as Nick Atwater, a master thief and a leader of a robbery crew. And he was balancing his personal life while planning a major heist. Like I said, it didn't last, and it had a bunch of actors. You've seen them before on TV and in movies. Originally, this was a pilot back in 2002, but didn't move forward until 06. It got all this acclaim, and then the show failed to garner ratings, so they whacked it. But I actually thought it was pretty good. Mae Whitman stars as Tammy Devereaux. Yancey Arias as Gabo, Gabriel. And then Malik Yoba as Elmo Moe Jones. Clifton Collins as Jack Hill in this show. I mean, it was unbelievable. The team breaks into this bank vault in Chinatown in San Francisco. And then they change the plan at the last minute. And Nick permits them to take this large stack of cash in addition to the bear bonds that they were there to find. They're in the vault. Nick gets a call from his wife and tells him that his daughter, Tammy, is at the police station in trouble. So Nick says that they're going to discuss the situation later as he's robbing this vault. And outside the bank, Izzy, who's in charge of bypassing security, loses focus and allows the bank's alarm to sound. So he got everything done, but he forgot to do the last check on the alarm and it went off. So they hear the alarm and Vince, a Chinese mobster, spots Nick leaving the bank. So conveniently, the Chinese mobster is at the end of the street and he sees Nick leaving the bank in his getup. He's wearing some electrical company outfit. That's what they pretended like they were doing on the scene. They were working on some electrical wires. And then after the getaway, Nick tells Izzy he's out of the crew until he can quit the drug habit that caused his mistake. So bottom line was is that Izzy was doing blow. So they were on scene getting ready to rob the vault. He's in the truck getting all the alarm codes ready 
to bypass them and then they break in and do their trick. But he's banging out blasters of blow in the van as he's working. He's like banging out hits. So he was high the whole time. And then they arrive at Rosalind's house with the take from the robbery. Nick's told that the money belongs to the Chinese mob and he's going to have to return it. And they were livid. The crew was livid. They're like, man, we ain't giving this money back, ho. And unbeknownst to them, the Chinese mob is not content with the return of the money. Their boss is this chick. She used to be in Terminator movies. She's like, you got to take the money back or we'll all be dead. They'll find us. They'll track us down. They'll kill us. They'll kill our families. So Vincent is sent to find and kill the members of the crew, the Chinese mobster that saw Nick at the end of the street. So his job is to find them and kill them all. Kill them all. Shake out. The crew is disappointed and having to give up the money. And they urge Nick to find another massive heist to make up for the low earnings from the bank job. So they're discussing the plan. And Nick gets a call from his wife. Apparently, she's been in this horrible accident. It was actually the hospital that called. And they told him that his wife's in the hospital. He needed to get down there. So he goes down there with the daughter. Nick, by the way, is this brother. And then his wife is this white chick, and Tammy's the daughter. So it's actually Nick's stepdaughter. So he's married to this white chick. And they go down to see her in the hospital. She was fine when they got there. I mean, she was a mess. She got in this horrible crash. She got T-boned. And she had trauma, injuries, internal injuries. She got racked up her brain. She had cuts and bruises all over her face and body. She's in the hospital hanging by a thread, but they operate on her and they tell Nick and the daughter, Tammy, that she's going to make it. And they're like, go home, get some clothes, come back in a couple hours, and then we'll see you here and we'll see how she's progressing. So they go home and they finally get back there, but they're late. It wasn't two hours. It was like three, four hours later. They go back to the hospital because when they went home, he was at home arguing with his crew about the heist of the vault and the bottom line is they eventually get back to the hospital to see her but when they got back there she was dead and so nick is now having to care for the stepdaughter permanently and she doesn't want any part of him because when they were at home between the hospital they went home and then going back to the hospital they were there and the crew was out in the back of nick's house in his backyard and izzy shows up complaining about the heist and he wants his money and he hates this other dude in the crew all they do is argue and fight and argue and fight so izzy's high as hell he shows up just completely jacked and lit on blow and he starts arguing with them all about his money and so he pulls out a gun and he's gonna shoot this other dude that he doesn't like so nick shoots him in the chest on the spot You see him get shot in the chest. The girl, Tammy, is in the kitchen. She actually sees it happen. She witnesses her stepdad shooting this dude in the chest. And then she hides like she didn't see it. And the whole time the crew's like, I wonder if she saw us just do this to this guy. Because they think that she did see it. But none of them can prove it. So Nick's like, she didn't see it. Don't worry about it. Just clean it up. Get rid of him. Get rid of the body. So they take the body out into the swamps because they're in New Orleans. So they take him into some swamp and they're going to set fire to his car 
And then they are doing that, putting gas on the car and burning his car and blowing it up. And here's this guy. He's not dead yet. It's unbelievable. They shot him in the chest. He thought he was dead. All of a sudden, the guy starts moving and trying to get away. He can't even walk. He's been shot in the chest, so he's like crawling, trying to get away from him. And one of the other crewmen blows his head off. I mean, it's real ruthless gangster type stuff. He just walks up right behind him as he's trying to crawl away and just literally puts a shot right in the back of his head. And the guy's deader than a doornail right then and there. Then they dump his body into the swamp. So that's why it took four hours for him to get back to the hospital. When he eventually got to the hospital, his wife was dead. And the first person to see that she was dead was the stepdaughter, and she freaked out. So Detective Hayes of the New Orleans Police Department is under investigation by Internal Affairs. He's a tough guy. His wife's about to leave him because he's a D. He assures her that he's going to come up with a way to make things right and save their marriage. But you can tell he's full of it. He's hanging out in strip clubs and drinking. And he rolls his eyes and gets sick and tired of her constantly ragging him. But Izzy, they've killed him. They dumped him in a swamp. And it's just a disaster. So the first episode was crazy. There was a lot of robbing vaults and stealing money. It was $2 million. Then they had to give the money back. And then the Chinese mob said, all right, thanks. We got our money back. We're still going to find you. We're still going to kill you. And then the daughter sees her stepdad, Nick, shoot this guy, Izzy, in the chest in their backyard. So she wants out. She wants to go to her real father's crib in Hawaii. Meanwhile, her real father in Hawaii is a complete loser, and he doesn't even show up for his first wife's funeral. He says he's coming to the funeral. He's coming to get her. She's going to move home and live with him in Hawaii, but he blows her off completely. Meanwhile, she's stuck with Nick, the brother who's the head of this thief crew, this heist crew, and she has to live with him. And now she knows he's a killer. They had to do it. Izzy was going to shoot the other dude, so they killed him. But they were firing him anyway. They were getting rid of him anyway. Then he pulled a gun on him, so he shot him. What are you going to do? Eventually, she confronts him at the funeral that he is basically a piece of shack and that he kills people. And he's like, the guy was on drugs. He was on blow. He showed up at my house. He pulled a gun on my buddy. I shot him before he killed my friend. So you can think whatever you want about me, but I'm not having some clown-ass dude pull a gun on my boy and shoot him in my backyard dead. It's not happening. So I killed him. And then he later says to her, originally, I think he told her that he shot him and then they just took him to a hospital and that he eventually survived and moved to Texas. But she wasn't falling for that line of BS at all. She's like a young teenager. Her boyfriend was the reason she was at the police station to begin with when she was in trouble. Originally, I told you that the wife had called and said what he was robbing the vault, that the daughter was in the police station because her boyfriend had convinced her to go with him to steal some computers from school and she was there with him, and so she got thrown into the mix with the boys that were there. There were two boys robbing the school of computers. She was with him, so she got busted too. They all got in trouble, but she didn't do anything. She was just with him, so she was in the cop station in trouble at the time. Meanwhile, they hand the phone to Nick as he's robbing this vault, and he's talking to the cops that his daughter's a good girl, and she's never done anything before, and she's never committed a crime, and you got to let her go, and... Believe me, I'm going to teach her a lesson when I get home. She's never going to do this again. You don't have to worry about it. She didn't really do anything. The other kids did it. Meanwhile, it was just a mess. 
So all this stuff was going on, and that was just the first episode. So eventually, Nick presents his plan for the crew's next heist. What they're going to do is they're going to infiltrate an airplane to rob a U.S. Treasury shipment of $40 million. The plan is complicated, and the time frame is very short. They have only 19 days to get ready to make the heist. Bottom line is they got to hurry and get ready for this heist. In the second episode, one of the main scenes was Vincent, the Chinese mobster guy, the hitman. He goes to Rosalind's house, kills her bodyguard. He walks up the steps to the top deck of the house. She's got this fat-ass crib with a top deck and get wraps around the house. He's out there chilling in a rocking chair. And this guy comes up with his gun with a silencer on it. And he just puts three or four rounds into his chest. Then he tortures her to find the names of the crew. She doesn't crack. He had wrapped a fuse around her body. So he was going to blow her up. So the fuse took 30 minutes. So he lit the fuse. And she's sitting in this chair. And this fuse is going on around her body. It's wrapped around her body from her ankles to her head. And then it's going to blow her head off, right? So he lights it at the bottom down by her feet. And the thing is, it's on fire. It's lit and going around in circles around her body. And the whole time, it's like burning the crap out of her. And she's in agony, screaming and yelling. She never gives up the name. And then at the very end, when she's about to be blown up, he stops the fuse like he's going to let her go. And he's like, I believe you, because she never leaked the names. I believe you, he said, no problem. And then he walks behind her and blows her head off. Like he does everyone else. This guy is ruthless. He's a cold-blooded killer. He's a Chinese mobster hitman, and he means business. So anything he does for his job, you know, the boss tells him what to do, who to hit, who to kill, who to get. He gets them all. And when he gets them, he doesn't mess around and talk to them or negotiate with them or anything else. He just goes and kills them. Meanwhile, he's got this MS thing going or Parkinson's thing going. He's a young guy. He's in his 20s. But he's got shaking hands, so whenever he's got a gun, he's shaking really bad. But he still kills his prey, and he kills them all. But he's always, like, shaking, and I'm like, what has this guy got? He's got some kind of MS or something going. So eventually Nick gets to her crib because he's trying to find her, the boss, Rosalind, and he finds her body, and he realizes what has happened, that... The mob has gotten to her and her bodyguard, killed both of them. And now he knows that they're after him because she had always told him, if you steal from these people, they will find you and they will kill you. And so I had told you before, they gave the money back to the mob. But the head of the Chinese mob's like, all right, good. We got our money. Now we're still going to kill you. So he sent Vincent to go kill everybody. Find them, kill them. That's the deal. So this guy's rolling around New Orleans, and he's just looking for these people. One by one, he's going to kill all of them. Episode three got really good. Nick's realizing that Rosalind had info that he needed written down in her notebook of the job of who the connects were, all the rest, how they pull off this job. So Nick devises a plan to break into her mansion, which is a crime scene now. The New Orleans police are all over her house. It's cordoned off the whole deal. But he breaks in. He finds her safe in her bathroom in the cabinet with all the drugs and deodorant and stuff like that and perfume. He cracks the safe. He's got six chances to crack the safe. It's like a coded safe. And he picks the exact number perfectly. Imagine that. And he gets the notebook. 
When he finds the notebook, he feels relief because if he doesn't find the notebook, the $40 million job goes down the drain and then his crew turns on him and God only knows what happens. All of them are hurting. They haven't been making enough money. They're all complaining. And one of them, this other brother's got a newborn son and he can't pay his bills. The other one is in debt up to his eyeballs. He's got loan sharks looking for him. They all have problems. The third guy, he's got guilt. He's been tripping because they killed Izzy and he's having nightmares. He's going to this church. Then he falls in love with this chick in the church and he's making out with her at the church and he's leaving all kinds of money at the church, dropping it in the bucket, helping the church out. Meanwhile, it was because of his guilt. You know, he had killed this guy, so he felt bad. So he was giving money to the church trying to buy off God or something. So anyway, Nick uses the information from Rosalind's notes. And he contacts an airline employee who's going to help him sneak onto the plane. That was the key to the deal, knowing how to get onto the plane to steal the money. The money is underneath the plane where they keep everything, all the bags and all that. They also have a metal worker help them build a replica of the airplane's cargo bay so that they can know what they're doing. And then they also meet with Riley, an old associate, to help fund the plan. Riley's an old pal of Nick's, lives out in the sticks. I guess he's a genius or something. So he asked him to jump on board with this crew and help fund the plan. They need money to make it happen. It's going to cost them five grand here, 10 grand there to get it all done. So Rosalind's dead. They need a backer and they need somebody to help them fiscally with this deal and to help launder the money after the heist because it's $40 million. So Riley's retired and he's out fishing and hunting and living out in the middle of nowhere. But Nick tracks him down, begs him to do it, and then the plans are set in place. So they get the cargo manifest, and then everybody starts doing stuff. Elmo works at the food service truck, starts taking pictures, understanding exactly what happens on the airplane with the food service trucks and the cargo and everything that goes on the plane. He's mastering that. And while all this is going on, Tammy, the stepdaughter, sees a story about a body discovered in the bayou. Well, guess who the body is? She realizes it's Izzy, and she now knows that Nick has been lying to her all along and that she was right, he's nothing but trouble, and that he had killed Izzy, and they put him in the bayou, in the swamp, and he never went back to Texas. So now she's convinced he's just a massive liar. She doesn't trust him, and all kinds of hell's breaking loose. So Nick's got family problems here with this little stepdaughter so he's distracted by her and he's constantly having to deal with her emotions she's always depressed since her mom died and he's dealing with that she's blaming him for everything basically it doesn't matter what day it is she just hates his guts are you ready for the nation's first and only free 24-hour network dedicated to you the betting and fantasy sports enthusiast sports grid will provide you with real-time content statistics and gaming intelligence unlike anything you've ever seen before Located both in the heart of New York City and inside the FanDuel Sportsbook at the Meadowlands, SportsGrid is live 18 hours a day. Here to serve you, the fanatic. This is SportsGrid. Get on the grid. Hey everyone, it's Michelle Williams and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys and I'd love for you to join me. I'm still on my own journey, but I want to be transparent with you. 
Because as I was posting all the highlights of my life on social media, I was breaking down. And too many people fall victim to the picture-perfect image of the high life. So I created a space to discuss the good and the bad. We can laugh, man. We, we gonna learn. And most of all, I hope to inspire you to go on this journey with me to better mental health. This is gonna be your church, your turn up, and everything in between. So join me on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, a safe space for every kind of person. Listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So there's slow progress and there's concerns about Vincent, the Chinese mobster's Parkinson's disease. So the Chinese mob forces him to work with the boss's nephew, Billy Kwan, and they call him Shrimp Boy. So Shrimp Boy's this young kid, like 21 years old. You think he's irresponsible, but he's very loyal to his uncle's crime syndicate. And he is bound and determined to find Nick and the crew and kill all of them. So it's just getting kind of kick-ass. There's a lot of little stories going on, and it's all over the place. But I kind of like it. There's been just a nice array of stories and an array of murders and hits and people getting their heads blown off and and silencers and gunshots and people turning on people and troubled teenagers who are also thieves. Everybody on the show seems to be involved in one way or another with thievery. Chinese mob. We take their money, they will come looking for us. You find these kwaidoi. You steal, you pay. Gave the money back. Give me the names. I never saw anyone. It's all just voices on a phone. So what brings you out here, Nick? Got a gig. I could use your help. You here because someone took Ross Moore down. Well, nobody knows how to move money around like you do. How to wash it, how to clean it. Monster. She bled out. Everybody's treating me like I'm a freak. Like, oh look, there's a girl whose mom died. Can't wait to get out of the school. She's going to live with her father in Hawaii after the funeral. Kind of story. I want to know where you are. Okay, at all times. Okay. Who are you? Uncle Lau sent me. You a friend of Rosalind Moore. Your number was in her cell phone. Sorry, pal. I can't help you. They're coming for us, Jack. I saw what they did to it. Careful! I helped you out. You tied me to a double homicide? You only build you a jumbo jet. As far as the cargo hold. We're getting the carts in the plan. We got an inside guy in New York. Yeah, we have one. You met him? Oh, yeah. My husband's in insurance, huh? Keep nosy little girls like you out. I can't get Izzy out of my head. That little white girl can ID us to a murder, Nick. But do we do what we do with Izzy? Found a dead gator. That right there popped up. Where's the rest of them? Hold on, I found them. Unbelievable, the stress. So eventually, Nick gets a hold of the girl's dad in Hawaii. All this guy does is blow off his kid and party and didn't go to his first wife's funeral, doesn't care about his daughter, leaves all of the problems to Nick, who's the stepfather, and he's got to get rid of the girl because he's trying to do a $40 million heist. And this guy in Hawaii, Bakalulu Mahalo, is just an asshat. You can run that line on Tammy, but not me. I'm trying to work out the details, all right? You have exactly one week to figure out what to do with your daughter. Or what? You gonna stick her in an orphanage? You should've thought of that stuff where you married my wife. Well, she wasn't your wife when I met her. She must have changed. I never knew she had such exotic taste. I can't be responsible for Tammy. Well, 
Well, from where I sit, it looks like you are, brother. Brother. You wanted a white girl. You got one now. There's just massive tension. Massive. So he's like, here, you have her. I'm not doing it. I'm over here chilling the most on the beach, on the islands. You know, the islanders, they don't like the mainlander, son. This ain't no joke. So now basically Nick is telling the stepdaughter, Tammy, that she's going to end up going to boarding school because the dad don't want her. He don't want her. And he knows the best place for her is some expensive boarding school where they got field hockey and art classes. And the girl, when she finds out that he's going to ship her to boarding school, she's tripping. And she's ready to run away with her boyfriend. And she wants no part of boarding school. So something's got to give. He's trying to dump her. She can't stand him. She knows that he shot and murdered one of the crew. So she's got the skinny on him. She's got the lowdown on him. She knows they're no good. He wants to get rid of her. I mean, it is all happening here, and it's really coming unraveled. So the Chinese mobster who's looking to kill Nick and his crew and little shrimp boy show up at Nick's car dealership where he's chilling the most and having a conversation with his stepdaughter, Tammy, about where she should go to boarding school. And in comes the two hitmen into his car dealership, pretending like they're looking at cars. Then they start getting all cute with him, and then he realizes who they are. He realizes that they're there to whack him. He starts getting nervous for Tammy, and he basically has his gun in his back of his pants, and he reaches back, and he's like, look, I'll just shoot you right here in my place of business, and then it'll be an easy cleanup for the New Orleans Police Department. What do you want? So the two hitmen are like, no, we're just here looking at cars. We're not going to buy today. We're going to come back. We'll be back to buy cars later. We'll definitely see you again. It was a nice hint that they knew that Nick was the man and that it was his crew that robbed the Chinese of their money from the vault. So now they know who they're trying to kill that it's Nick and his boys. So now things are getting real interesting. And then when they leave the car dealership, Shrimp Boy starts giving Vincent the business about his Parkinson, saying, you know, you're a mess. You're soft. You're shaking. This is getting terrible. I can't work with you. I'm going to have to tell my uncle that you're a disaster and you got this Parkinson's and you just can't handle your business and you're not going to take advantage of an opportunity you had right in front of your face, which was to kill... Nick and his partner right in his car dealership just blow his head off right then and there. And then Vincent shoves him against the wall and says, you better watch your mouth with me, mister, or you're going to be sorry. And then Shrimp was like, whatever, dude, I ain't afraid of you. You're a has-been. You're old news, son. So then Nick takes Tammy to stay with Riley out in the middle of nowhere at his shack by the lake where he lives out with, you know, nobody for miles. And that's where he's going to stash her because the Chinese mob has come to his car dealership with a threat and a warning that they're going to kill him. So he takes her to be safe. She's staying out with this Riley dude. And then she goes on his computer with his permission and she starts looking up. The guy that got killed and found in the swamp. She knows that he's dead. She wants to know more about him. She starts sniffing around and she finds a story about him. The arm found in the belly of an alligator has been reunited with its unfortunate owner, Isidore John Driscoll, 29 years old, otherwise known as Izzy. 
The coroner's office reports that the heavily tattooed arm was bitten off a torso that showed evidence of two gunshot wounds and yada yada. You know who pumped him with those two rounds, son. Meanwhile, through this whole thing, this Detective Hayes is trying to track down Jack, the only lead the police have in a San Francisco vault job. He's trying to squeeze him for a share of the money. So he's following Jack everywhere he goes, tracking him at churches because he knows that the guy hangs out in churches praying and dropping money and stuff. And he finally finds him. He's been following him. He also discovers the cop, the rest of the crew. So now you got all kinds of action brewing. So Nick finally shows up at Riley's crib to have a conversation with Tammy, and it just does not go well. Who's going to protect me from you? Hit me. You want to hit me, you hit me. That's what you people do, isn't it? You people. Now listen, you spoiled little you have no idea how people live. My mother wiped white babies' asses. My father walked out before okay, I was born. Well, that's went. your problem. No, no, no. You are my problem. Not anymore. Now just get out. What do you mean, you people? <laughs> I always love that line. What do you mean, you people? So Nick's back at the car shop, shutting down business, getting ready to go to New York to do the heist. And here comes the detective from the New Orleans Police Department into his shop late at night to give him the business. I'm sorry, mister. We're closed. I thought the door was locked. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it looks like you're packing it in, huh? Change of management. I know you? No. But I know he. Well, like I said, mister, we're closed. Make an exception. NOPD. Which, by the way, got a bum rap after Katrina. Yeah. Well, but we're still on the job. Look, uh, I'm not here on police business, so just thought I'd have a nice little friendly talk. Talk? I know about that job you pulled in San Francisco. Yeah, paper said two mil. Nice little score. I'm assuming you don't like to share it. It's the old boy in the bayou. But sometimes you gotta be realistic about these things. And, well, this is one of those times. I don't know what you're talking about. I run a car business. Not for much longer from what I see. Look, I got no interest in taking you or your crew down. What do you want? Half your score. One mil in cash. You can't trust what the papers say. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't trust you either. Okay. Okay. I need some time. Don't play games with me now. Now, what you think I keep a mill in cash just laying around? All right. By tomorrow, I'll be in touch. And by the way, Miss Atwater, are you thinking of uh, disappearing? I can always turn over everything I know to the feds, become a big hero. But I'd rather have money. There is a lot of things happening here. This cop is dirty. He wants to get some money. That's the only reason he was chasing down Jack, so he could find the crew, so he could find the money, because he thinks they scored two milli. He doesn't know that they gave the money back to the Chinese mob. 
This cop is being investigated by internal affairs. His job's on the line. His marriage is on the line. He's broke. He's desperate. Meanwhile, Nick's crew's falling apart. One of his guys is afraid to do the heist because he has to be in this little teeny storage cabinet for like an hour and a half. And the guy's having all kinds of anxiety. He can't breathe. He can't be locked up for an hour and a half in a little tiny hole because he was in the hole in prison. And he's tripping out on Nick. Nick's stepdaughter's tripping out on him. He's got cops breaking his onions. I mean, it is just chaos on Thief. So now some of Nick's crew are getting worried. Any problems? No, I just want to be careful. I don't know, man. You always say no one to walk away. I think we should just scrap this job. I know. We're prepped. We're good to go. We stay on schedule. That cop, he beat you, bro. He knows where you work. He probably knows where you live. He don't know station. He knows about San Francisco. He knows about Izzy. He don't know about this job. In 36 hours, we're done. We're gone. No wonder why. It could have a long reach. He's just another crooked-ass cop. If you want to bust me, would I? You clear on hijacking truck? Of course. We stay on schedule. All right. There you have it. They're going to stay on schedule. They're not giving up on this gig because there's a dirty cop chasing them down. So now they show Nick finally going to New York to start the heist of the plane filled with the feds, $40 million. They actually show New York City in a flyover, and then he's in a cab getting ready to go start the gig. But they show the feds counting the money, stacking the money. There's $40 million in giant bricks, and they're covering it up, putting it in cages and locking it up and getting ready to put it on this airplane that they're going to rob. So now it's crime day, and the feds are loading the money onto the plane. And meanwhile, Nick and his other boy have gone into the cargo bins, the little tiny claustrophobic boxes they're going to steal the money in. They were supposed to take five of them onto the plane and load it up with the 40 mil, but then the guy that they're working with on the job that they had to pay a hundred grand to to get on the plane, he told them they could only take four of the cargo boxes, not five. There wouldn't be room. So he's like, all right, we'll go with four. If anything else happens on this gig, I'm coming after you, which is a nice way of saying in Portuguese, I'm going to kill you. So now the flight's taken off. They're in these cargo bins on the plane, and they're finally popping out of the cargo boxes after being stuffed on there for 90 minutes. But they got all of them onto the plane. The plane's in the air. The federal agent's sitting on the plane. He's sitting up in his seat, flying, having no idea what's going on underneath that plane, which is they've bolted the door locked so no one can get in there. And they are ready to start their plan to rob this 40 mil. So now the stewardess realizes there's a problem. He can't get down in the elevator down to the cargo hold where he needs to go to get his trays for food and such that are stashed below. And he realizes there's an issue and the elevator won't work and he's freaking out. Great, so they're both jammed. Yeah. All right. I'll make you welcome. Ladies and gentlemen, because of an elevator malfunction, we can no longer access the lower galley. Unfortunately, this means we can't serve refreshments on this leg of the journey. We're genuinely sorry for any inconvenience. Guess this officially makes us a discount airline.
So what is it? An electrical malfunction? We really don't know. We'll just find out when we land. You're just gonna have to wait till we get to New Orleans, sir. This won't wait. Oh, sir, you can't use your cell phone on a plane. There's something the government cares a whole hell of a lot about in that cargo hold down there. I'll call whoever I want. Slow down, man, okay? Take your time. Take your time. You okay? You want me in there? Come on, let's do it, let's do it. There is so much tension on that plane, and that Federale knows something's going on with his money below in the cargo unit. We're gonna move that one in this direction, okay? Stop, 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 stop. Okay, slide out. Stop, stop. Give me some light here. I gotta take these things off. Right here. Oh, yeah. Is that it? <laughs> Forty million dollars, and they secure it with this. <laughs> Come on, let's move these boxes. Okay. This is so sweet. So they found the money, and it's time to grab it and stash it. Want to light the lamp on DraftKings and FanDuel this NHL DFS season? Then join DailyRoto.com and learn from the best daily fantasy sports players. Get updated fantasy hockey projections for NHL DFS, line combinations, and build stacks for tournaments in the Daily Roto NHL DFS lineup optimizer. If you are playing daily fantasy hockey without using Daily Roto, you are doing it wrong. Enter the promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. That's promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. Have you written a book and need some insight into what comes next? Or are you passionate about cooking and want to know how to make it your career? Or maybe you just want to hear insider stories about the entertainment industry. Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. And on our podcast, Two Guys from Hollywood, we bring our expertise to the table with, of course, delicious cocktails and all kinds of recipes for you to try at home. So grab a drink and join us. We've got a wide range of celebrity guests and Hollywood insiders to discuss pop culture, publishing, and entertainment. And we'll provide you with an unfiltered and sometimes brutally honest show about Hollywood. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. So now the Chinese mobsters have called Nick on the plane while he's stealing the $40 million to tell him that they have Gabo. They shot at him. I knew they hit Gabo with shots. He was at the house, Nick's house, looking for his stepdaughter. But, of course, he's selling the house, so all the furniture's gone. There's nobody in the house. He's walking around the house looking for the girl. All of a sudden, here come the Chinese mobsters, and they got in a gunfight, and there's, like, bullets flying everywhere. Gabo gets hit down by his liver, and you don't see what happens to him. But eventually, while they're up there stealing the money in the plane, 
The Chinese mobsters are in a car. The one guy got shot, shrimp boy, and had a chunk of his ear blown off. They're sitting in the car. They call Nick up on the plane and say, we got your boy Gabo dead. So Nick and his boy Jack are robbing the money. They think that Gabo's dead. And then they call Elmo, the guy that was working for the airline that helped him stash the boxes on the plane. He was on the food services cart that brought the cabooses up into the plane to steal the money. They call him and say, Gabo's dead and we're screwed, but they still have to steal the money. That's all I know. They got to get that money, that 40 mil off that plane. That's all that matters now. They can't worry about Gabo at this point. They got to finish the deal, get the cash. So they got all the money stashed in their little boxes and they hid in the boxes with the money. And now the plane has landed in New Orleans and we're going to see if they can get the money off of the cargo part of the plane. There's a ton of action going on here and a lot of pressure. And the federal agent on the plane up in the seats is livid. Excuse me. Pardon me. Excuse me. I don't know what happened. Just both went kaput. Kind of a metaphor for America, really. World stuff. You know what I mean? Let me just show you here. See, when I worked the switches earlier... would be the perfect end to the worst week of my life. My house was robbed, they stole my computer, and my wife is on a tear. I wouldn't have called you, but it seemed weird. All access to the lower deck was inhibited. Well, you better be wrong. Welcome to New Orleans. Yeah, what they put in this car. I know everything here's supposed to be a bit on the heavy side. We had a problem with the elevators. Never touched the food. <laughs> I don't know about this. No one should breach the security of the container until Bogota. I'll take responsibility. I should call my office. And tell them what? You don't know anything. I know insurance companies. And they don't like people to fool around with 40 million of Uncle Sam's dollars. The package is in my care. I'm going to open it. You need to call your office. You need to call your office because your money's gone. That's why he couldn't open up the container because all the money's gone. It's awesome. What's the deal? Inspector Jackson, Department of Homeland Security. Mind stepping out of the truck? What for? Please do as I say, sir. Well, what's going on? What's I need to see some ID. The terrorist alert. We're checking everybody coming in and out of the airport. Really? I didn't see anybody at the gate, so... Come with me. I'm make you late, but... Don't worry, your boss will understand. Right. You don't know my boss, do you? I need you to wait right here. I'll be right back. Now he's got the food truck guy that left the airport with all the food from the flight. He's pulled him over. One of their boys, Elmo, he's got him in the back of his fake cop car that they stole to do the gig. And now the boys are on the back of the truck getting ready to get off of the truck with the money. So now they've stolen the truck from the kid. They drove the kid off in the cop car. Now Nick's driving the food truck with a 40 million on it. 
and they have the money, they have the truck, and they are on their way to stealing 40 mil. Or maybe 30 mil because they couldn't stuff all 40 mil into four containers as opposed to having five containers. So Nick's stepdaughter's been on the run with her boyfriend. They've been driving forever. They were headed to Disney World or something. She's a runaway now. And she's starting to realize that she's made a huge mistake. And that she has no future with this boyfriend or being on the run. And she realizes that she might be in danger and might have created more trouble than it was worth. So here comes Elmo in some kind of phony plumbing van to load up the 40 mil from the Sky Food truck that they stole from the airport from the kid that they stuffed in the back of the fake cop car. And now they're just going to load up their cash and try to get out of Dodge. Oh, and look who's in the back of the van. Gabo is not dead after all. He took a shot to the liver but was not captured by the Chinese mob. A huge development, and the crew is back together, but Gabo's bleeding profusely, but he seems okay, and now he wants to see the 40 mil that they stole, even though he's bleeding profusely. It's unbelievable what's happening. So the dirty cop shows up at the car dealership looking for Nick, and obviously nobody's there, and he's running around with a gun, and he's very angry. He thinks Nick has blown him off. Meanwhile, the Chinese mobsters are there as well, Shrimp Boy and Vincent, and now it looks like we're going to have a shootout. There's a lot going on here. Wow, that was unbelievable. So Shrimp Boy gets caught by the cop. Cop threatens shrimp boy he's got him by his bleeding ear and then here comes vincent to save the day puts a gun to the back of the cop's head cop says hey yo you don't want to kill a cop and vincent says yeah but he does and then vincent shoots both shrimp boy and the cop dead both of them in the head with one shot boom boom then he puts the gun in the cop's hand that was shot So it looks like the cop was shooting Shrimp Boy and Shrimp Boy was shooting the cop. So Vincent set them both up and then Vincent rolled out. Vincent was sick and tired of Shrimp Boy and had had enough of his animosity toward him. Meanwhile, Tammy tried to pawn her mother's emerald ring. She thought it was worth a grand and she was going to use the money to go to Hawaii to see her dad. But the pawn shop owner would only give her $300. And now she's a runaway on the streets. And her boyfriend went home, and she's alone on her own and has no chance of survival. Oh, God. She calls Nick up and blames him for trying to tell him, you told me it was worth, it was real, and it was an emerald worth $1,000 at least, and it was only worth $300. you are a liar. You're still lying to me. I hate your guts. Oh, God. So now they're back at the warehouse with all of the money that they got off of the plane. They've actually pulled it off, at least to this point. Okay, we got nine hours before the plane lands in Bogota. Squeeze 20 million of these two babies. Bet you never had classes like this before. The United States government has just been ripped off for $23 million. That's a lot of zeros. Freshly minted, hot off the press, never been in circulation. I don't know about you, but the only people I want stealing my hard-earned tax dollars are the politicians I elect. I believe this is the same crew that pulled a $2 million job in San Francisco a month ago. If so, these are not your typical mouth-breathing, knuckle-dragging, smash-and-grab morons. These assholes are smart. A crew like this 
We have 24 hours at the most before they are in the wind. I want anybody who so much as looked at that plane to be interviewed. I'm talking about flight crew, food service, baggage handlers, passengers. I don't care if they were pushing a broom a mile away. We track them down and we talk to them. These assholes will not get away. The clock is ticking. Let's go. So there you have it. The feds are all over them. And they want their money back. Now chaos ensues when they're counting the money. The phone rings. Guess who? Tammy, the stepdaughter's wonderful father in Hawaii on the line. Yeah? You must have done something. What'd you do to my daughter? What do you want, man? Tammy must really hate you. Well, look, Tammy's not my responsibility, okay? I did everything for her good. You know where she is? No, I talk this shit. She's at the airport. She bought her own ticket. She's on her way here. Really? <laughs> good for her. Wrong partner. I'm on my way out of town. Business. I won't be here. Well, why are you telling me this, Jerry, huh? Tammy's not my daughter. Look. I can't handle her right now, financially. Well, money's not what she needs, man. Either way, I'm on a plane, and if she comes, nobody will be here. You there? No, Jerry, I'm not. Where is she? She's at the airport. Well, you're not thinking about going to get her, are you? Man, we don't have time. I know that, Jack. Nick, if the child wants to leave, let her go, all right? We have our hands full. Nick, you did what you could. More than any of us ever knew. She decided. Tom just no, no, that's not your decision, man. You do this, then you're choosing her over us. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It's not like that. To hell it ain't. If it was one of us, you'd say no. That's a fact, Nick. Hold down the fort, man. I'll be back. There you have it. So now, where's he going? The girl? How much pressure is he under now? Just when everything looked peachy, Nick and the boys loaded up the cars with the $20 million. Meanwhile, Riley and his henchmen, his old pal out in the woods keeping care of Tammy and stashing her at the stash house, had a little visit from the FBI. They think he's in on the theft He plays off the FBI, gets rid of them, and then turns on Nick and his boys and demands a bigger payment. He was originally going to get a million to help. Now they're holding Tammy captive, and they want a bunch of money. So they're now up against each other, Riley against Nick. And Riley's got his henchmen with him, and Nick is ready to kill Riley dead. But he can't do it right now, so they got a problem on their hands. This is unbelievable. So Nick took a huge bag full of money back to Riley and his henchmen to get the girl, his stepdaughter, and he actually gave him the money. I almost fell over when he gave him all the money. Now, the other three guys in the crew left with their money. This guy, Riley, wanted all of the money. He wanted $20 million for the girl, but he was willing to settle for the big bag of millions that he got from Nick. And then Vincent finished off the old man who came to claim his nephew's body, the shrimp boy that got killed by Vincent, and he killed the cop too. So while he was at it, the old man, the head of the Chinese mob, came to his apartment and Vincent blew his head off. So he's now killed everyone. So he gets the girl back and then he finally drops the beans. I'm a thief. Thief? Yeah, I had something he wanted. I gave it to him to get you back. That's what just happened here. Okay. What did you have? I had some money. How much money? How much? I had a lot. 
Millions. You gave them millions of dollars? Six million dollars. Was this money that you stole? Yes. Did mom know? No. So you lied to her? I never told your mother anything that would put her in harm's way, same as you. Please. Get in the car. So he finally told her the truth. He told her he was a thief. It's unbelievable. He finally said it. He gave six million to those punk asses to get her back. You think she's finally happy now, the little snob? So that's how it ended. Unbelievable. Your boy Gabo ended up bleeding out, so he never got away with his six mil. He got his money and drove away, but then he got sick and bled out. And Emo, the big black dude, he got busted by the feds. So when the kid knocked him out and said he's the guy that robbed the truck, they went and got him and arrested him in an alley talking to his wife. And 100 FBI agents swooped in and arrested his ass, so he's done. Jack went to the girl from the church that he was in love with and tried to persuade her to go to Europe with him. She said no because she thinks that he's got two sides, a, a Christian side and a bad side, and she didn't want no part of the bad side. So she said, buzz off. And then he tore off in his hot rod. So he left with his money, but he's wanted by the FBI. And then, of course, Nick saved the girl for six mil. He got nothing out of it, but he did go back to the pawn shop where she flipped the pearl ring and the guy fleeced her for 300 She wanted 1000 He had to buy the pearl back from the guy for a grand. So he bought the ring for a grand, gave it to her. Then she smiled and knew that he loved her. And then they drove off together into the sunset out of New Orleans. So I thought that the end of it was bunk. I'm going to give it a terrible rating overall. And I'm convinced they made a good decision not to renew it or keep it going on FX because it sucked. They did two jobs, the job in the beginning in San Francisco that they robbed for two mil, and then they gave the money back. And then for five more episodes, we watched them play games to get the 40 mil. They didn't even get 40 mil. They got just over 20, 25 mil, then broke it up four ways. One of them gets popped. The other one dies. The other one ends up with no chick. And then the main character ends up with a stepgirl that he doesn't even want, and he's got no money. So screw all that. I wanted to see him at least all get away with the money or kill the dudes that took the money from him or blown him up or something. Instead, they go off into the sunset all lovey-dovey. I love you. You're my daughter. I'll be there for you forever. I'll never lie to you again. How does my ass sound? Obviously, binge watching is doing tremendous damage to me. If I don't find good shows, I suffer and I pay the price. I watch for hours and hours and then it doesn't fulfill me. Thus, it leaves me naked at the altar. I am not happy. One of the things I think would have been fantastic is after Gabo died and bled out in his car that was filled with $6 million, I would have liked to have been the guy that stumbled upon the car under the bridge near the freeway where I found the guy dead and then... When I looked around his car and in the trunk, I found six million cash. I would have liked to have hopped up on that and stumbled on that scene. And then nobody was around and I found the guy dead and he's not going to know I took the money and no one else sees me take the money. And then I roll off with six million clean. That would have been Gandhi. That would have been the perfect end of the story. Some 
clown ass dude comes along and finds the cash. And then what could you do with six millones other than live large in the Caribbean? I would have been down in St. Bart's kicking it on the beach or St. Martin on Orient Beach at Contiki, living it up, drinking Mai Tais and hitting on women and getting any women that you want because you got six million bucks. That's how that story would end. Another exciting edition of Pharrell on the band. Check it Want to be the next Daily Fantasy Millionaire? Dunk on your NBA DFS competition with DailyRoto.com and dominate on FanDuel and DraftKings this season. Compete with the pros with DailyRoto.com, Optimizer, and the most accurate projections in NBA DFS, plus lineup alerts, breaking news, late swap support, and much more. Save 10% on winning NBA DFS advice with promo code DUNK. Visit DailyRoto.com backslash DUNK to learn more. Hey everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I, we get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. Hey, it's going to be your church and your turn up. So listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.